Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey Siri, beatbox for me. Here's one I've been practicing boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats and boots. I could do this all day. Cats and boots and cats and boots. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 74 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitra and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Aaron Vay in Whitby, Ontario. Hello there. And we also have a Jaime Lopez in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we have Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. There. California. When did you guys talk about Star Wars last week on the after show? <laughs> Is that after I left? I like, only recorded like the last few minutes of it, too. That, that was cold, man. You heard them going on, huh? I was yelling at the podcast. I was literally <laughs> yelling at the podcast. And I'm, I'm shouting at the podcast going, no, you got it wrong! <laughs> What's the matter with you people? Did you even watch the same movie I did? Mm-hmm. Oh, Aaron, I, I only I want to set the record straight on one thing. And, uh, Mark, it's what you said. You said that Finn got his, uh, kicked Kylo Ren's ass. And you're like, you know, he didn't. He got his ass kicked. At the, at the end, the lightsaber battle. Mark, you were saying that uh, it was, in, you know, a little weird that, that Finn beat up Kylo Ren with a lightsaber, something he's never even held before. It was weird before. that he didn't use that force push thing that he used to. No, to he did say the, that as well. Bolt. Yeah, why didn't Kylo Ren kick you know Finn's ass? And I would contend that he did. He did kick Finn's ass. This is why I'm yelling. I'm like, think about it, you know? Because at the beginning, in that first scene where he's where we see Kylo Ren do that, right? He is at the peak of his power because he's fully in control. He's he's on top of his game. He's he's playing the part of like the cool badass Sith Lord, right? Yeah, yeah. But at the end, he's just killed his father and taken a shot in the chest. He is not at the top of his game anymore. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. He is in a lot of pain. So no, I, I can totally understand that. But boy, oh boy, yeah, that's the force is all around us. It's in everything that surrounds us and whatever the hell the speech is. I can't remember. Yeah, nobody listens to this show anyway, so it's cool. You can get away with anything on this show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's awesome news. Um, I'm very close to starting a new job with someone. I don't know who yet. It has been an incredibly tense week trying to corral all these 
opportunities. I know. So it's, is it a remote weird. gig or? Yeah, they're all remote gigs. There's oh, cool. uh, there's three of them on tap right now, and um, hmm. uh, th- there's the one that I really, really, really want uh, yeah. because. Uh, both the pay and the opportunity itself are pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's another one that uh, the pay is my normal rate, which is good, but um, yeah, uh, not as exciting as the first one. Uh, and that there, they're like, yes, we want you, and you know, you can start any time. And then there's a third one that I'd been kind of nursing for the last two to three months, mm-hmm. which uh, I finally got the word today that they are good to go. <laughs> Hmm. Um, so I don't know what to tell them. I'm just kind of trying to keep everyone at bay to see if I can capture that first one, um, which I'm yeah, this is, waiting until the uh, end of the week. Same thing that Jaime was talking about a couple of weeks ago, too, right? So about the what? fact that, well, we I, I don't think we put it in the show, but it was about the, the struggle of of having, you know, a couple of good opportunities and having to choose one over the other and whatever. Yeah, yeah so. you know. And it's weird too because of how you know the way the timing works. And I've been I've been through this before too, where mm-hmm. you're you're kind of going for a long time with nothing, and then all of a sudden it's boom, boom, boom. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, that's what Jaime was saying too, right? Mm-hmm. So he had like a couple of opportunities that was he had to choose between. That's right. I remember him mentioning that now. Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's just like that, and it's uh it's really tense around here because there's still this one chance, little little chance. That they could all fizzle at the last minute, and I will really? be unemployed. Uh, hey, you never yeah. know, right? You know, yeah. they could just get fed up with waiting and and pull their yeah. offers. You know, so yeah. So I I have some news too in that respect. That oh yeah, I just could be starting a, a new gig in uh, about a week or so. Really? Wow. Yep. Like, what kind of gig is it? Is I, well, it, it, it before, before before I say that, yeah, it's a, it's full time hours, kind of you know downtown Toronto kind of thing, right? Is it a full time job or is it a contract? It's actually a job. Wow. So you're yeah. actually working for the man. Well, uh, are you happy? Um, I'm happy because, well, a couple of things about that. I was think, actually thinking about it. I mean, because, cause and so here's the irony, right? Of okay. course, as soon as this opportunity lands in my lap, right, and I go in for probably the two easiest tech interviews I've done in the last three years, <laughs> right? Yeah. As soon as that happened, like you know, I've I've now got three more projects have landed in my lap that like I could t- I could run with. But the, the the thing about it is, I was thinking about this is, I left a job where I was like you know manager of I was running manager of IT for an entire corporation, and it was you know a steady job, regular paycheck, benefits for my family, and all that kind of stuff. So the, the security pieces that you really don't think about. So I, I had no, I mean I, I wasn't you know uh, it was I was comfortable. I, you know I wasn't really wanting for too many things, right? Um, I, I mean, I, I wasn't living extravagantly. I'm still living in the same house I was living back then, right? Yeah, okay. But I left that to go to work for a developer. And the developer that I went to work for, it, the, jo- the, the, the environment, the climate, the lack of benefits, all that kind of stuff didn't kind of sit with me, right? I mean, and there was a lot of, um, what do you call it, when, uh, you know, I tried to leave at one point and go back to my original employer, but there was a, a existing, pre-existing relationship, so that became really cloudy and muddy, and I couldn't do that. So my only choice was to actually go into business for myself, because there was no other way to get out of this, this messy situation, right? How long ago were we talking about here? Ten years ago. Okay. Or 11 years ago now, I guess. Right. Um, yeah, so I started my business in April of 2005. Right, and um, so I was doing some development stuff, but I was doing a lot of IT stuff, and, and you know, so I went and it's all this stuff that I've talked about on the show, like the Apple developer or Apple reseller, or Apple consultant network, all that kind of stuff, was all part of running my business and trying to you know spread the net as far as you can and diversify and you know s- you know get specific you know goals in place, and and um, but all along I've been searching for 
a more comfortable living for my family, right? Because it's not just me; it's my wife too, and we're not getting we're not getting any younger, as they say, right? Indeed. You know, so and and you know, our economy right now is is pretty crap right now. Pretty with the, crap. Yeah. yeah, with with the the Canadian dollar being down, the price of oil being down, it's affecting everybody, right? So, as a friend of mine sort of said, when this opportunity landed, it's like you know, you found a job in this economy, you know, doing what you kind of want to do, right? So. And this is an iOS development job, a senior iOS development job. It's a bit of it's a bit of like what I've been doing already. It's it's mentoring a junior team, so it's you know managing the project, if you will, probably doing some coding, but you know maybe being able to do some tra- training and leadership kind of stuff, which is what I've been doing with my my iOS work as it is, right? So, that sounds great. I mean, yeah, like, I, know, I guess I, the, the, I, I can sense the uh, hesitation in your voice. Um, well, only only because it's a yeah. major change for me because I've been I've been you know self-employed and and you know there's it's funny you sort of there's a lot of freedom to being an independent developer or, or an independent business person you get That's to right. sort of call the shots and stuff like that yeah but there's a high price to that yep. right and and. You know, I don't know that I've necessarily been. Uh, I wouldn't say I've been super successful as a business person. I went through all the sort of processes. You know, invested in my company, hired people, tried to you know build a team of people around me. And that's part of like you know conversations I've had with you guys is bringing you guys in as what I consider part of my team, right? Um, and some projects have been successful, and some have just been a completely abysmal, right? So, you know, indeed. But I get what you're saying. It's it's a lifestyle change. You know, you're going back to working. For somebody else, yeah. you know, you have to be there at a certain time of the day, and yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny, you know, how some of these processes go. The um, yeah. the technical interviews that you breeze through, and the ones that uh, you can't do anything right. But uh, right, yeah. You know, I'm happy for you, Tim. I think it's great that you're you're settled at least. I mean, that's one thing that yeah um, you don't yeah. have to worry about now is that you've got a salary. If I don't screw up too badly, it, it could actually, I could actually you know ride this out, and, and as this company evolves into other things, because we don't know that iOS is going to be around forever as well, right? Oh, bite uh, your tongue. You know, I could move into other parts of it. Maybe they, they, you know, I could move along in. I could advance in in that company. It's back on, back into a sort of career mode as opposed to uh, trying to build a business mode. I don't know if I necessarily was always happy building a business. I'm still going to be running my business. Don't get me wrong. I still have to support the apps that I've I've built so far, and I will be able to do that to as long as it doesn't conflict, right? But yeah. Uh, and new projects to come along, you know. So if you're if you're if things don't work out for you, Aaron, I have a couple of projects you may want to be able to work on. Who knows, you know? Who knows? Uh, yeah. So so and, and that continues. The podcast is still going to continue. That's one thing for sure. And uh, you know, other things like that. Like uh, I'm going to have to give up the the full time teaching pieces that I've been doing over time, right? Because I yeah. clearly won't have yeah. time for that, right? Clearly. But that said, this team doesn't have any Swift training yet, right? So and, and I was talking to my one of my future boss slash co-workers and uh he sort of said yeah we're just, was thinking about sending these people off to a course on swift i said hey i'm the guy that was teaching the course on swift up until you hired me right so yep that's not taken care so of. so i've already got the the course material in hand i'm ready to go i can you know start teaching at any time you say you know it takes cool. a while for these big companies to onboard you right so i guess Onboarding is always a challenge in iOS, as we all know. <laughs> yeah, a lot of big companies have you know official start dates. You have to start on a certain day to go through orientation and all that. You can't just start any oh, right. day you want. Mm. That's chilling. Yep. Hmm. Mark, are you self-employed working for the company that you're working for? Or are you a full-time? Yep. Yeah. Okay, so you're a, you're a contractor. Yeah, technically, a, yes. Yes. A mercenary. A mercenary is a good way to put it, yeah. Like me. Hired gun. Hired gun. Yeah. Yep. Um, at the time, like how long you've been working with that uh, that app? This particular one that I'm working on now. 
Well, that's sort of a hard thing to say because it's it's kind of morphed into a slightly different thing than it was a few months ago. But but this particular thing I'm working on now, it's been in the form it's in now, maybe a little over a year now. Okay. Uh, actually, a little more than that, a year and a quarter or so. So it was a long term. But in yeah, those that is long term yeah. to my mind. And um, you know, before that, were, were you kind of looking around for work? Or before did you, that, I was you know, at a startup. Let it be known. Yeah, uh, that was so. That was maybe half a year, a little over half a year uh, with the startup. And then that was uh, one thing. And before that, I was doing uh, various things. Um, I, I did uh, another startup for a while. Uh, that one was sort of an on and off thing for a couple of years. So it was sort of, it was, you know, it was full time for a while and then it would be part time, then it'd be full time. Uh, and then before that, and kind of mixed in with that, was the Snapsoft stuff that I've been doing since I started doing iOS. And, uh, and, and that's your own company. That's my own company. Yeah. Yeah. So, and there were a couple of other smaller ones that were mixed in there. So, um, yeah, it's kind of a mix of short term things and longer term things. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so hopefully uh, by the end of this week, I will have an answer on what's going to happen in my own life. Uh, but glad things are going good for you, Tim. That's uh, it's nice to see. Yeah, I would I would have liked to have remote jobs, but I haven't been able. Like, like again, it's like you know, not for lack of trying to tell people I'm here. It's just not, it's not just not happening. How did you How did you source those things, or just through references, or? Yeah, it's just uh, people that I know. I um. Uh, people that I met uh, at the Apple TV Tech Talk. No- oh, really? Okay. Apple TV Tech Talk. Uh, I met a fellow there, and uh, he sent me a couple leads. And another one was from WeWorkRemotely.com. Do you know that site? No, I don't. Um, so that's uh, basically a remote jobs posting site, and uh, it's for all kinds of jobs, uh, mostly technical, but uh, definitely not iOS focused at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there was a developer that posted there, and I. Uh, I wrote to him. He had about 200 applicants, but we really hit it off. Oh, yeah. Um, hmm. So um, that one is ready to go if I if this other one does not work out. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. It's, yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, in the last week I've <laughs> uh, seen the plethora of opportunities. But uh, well, hopefully by the time <laughs> this podcast airs, they, they will have decided. Uh, we, we'll see. It's... Saturday? <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Well, hopefully, I'm hoping to hear tomorrow or Friday. Okay, uh, that's okay. what they're telling me. Oh. So you haven't had, you haven't had a firm offer yet. I mean, that's that right. was the other, the other, the other decision, decision for me is is you know I've I've actually spoken to a number of of uh, people um, about different jobs, and you know I probably have I have three I would have considered solid prospects, but um, yeah, this the, came back and you know put it put the details in front of me and it's it's almost a no-brainer right so for sure for sure uh do you want to do some fu yeah so uh, one of the things i found early uh just uh, just after we released our show uh was from sixcolors.com which is jason snell's blog um and he's also a podcaster i believe right <laughs> a little bit yeah you think? yeah well he's a podcast machine since you're asking. like like uh like mark and i we don't really follow podcasts so but Similar to our sort of uh, best picks of the year, they they went through and did a report card um, based on some uh, of his followers. He's now gone to a, a, a sort of a pay model for a subscription model for his his blog, um, and I think he asked some of the people who have subscribed for their opinions on different hardware and software and stuff like that. And um, he's come up with a report card on how Apple did last year, um, and in specifically, well, just to clarify, 
like Jason emailed uh, people that are in the industry. So his fellow um, uh, writers and editors, other podcasters, developers that he knows. Um, so it was sort of like a self-selected Mixed list, yeah. you know, people okay. that he knows know about Apple. Mm-hmm. I think he also sent it to his subscribers. Right. Um, and, you know, there's a link here to t- take the same survey that they did. Uh, so mm. really anyone, any animal could take this survey. But right. uh, the results that he's showing here are from the cool kids. <laughs> As Aaron likes to call them, yes. <laughs> so, so yeah, and it was basically a report card, you know, f- scoring from one to five, just, uh, you know, t- doing mean averages and whatever. Apple came out, you know, really good on hardware, really good on environmental and social, very good on iPhone, iPad, and the Mac, and the Apple TV. And then the things that, that they didn't like were things that we kind of talked about as well, that the HomeKit came out at the very bottom, and that's because HomeKit hasn't really found its... its uh, it's. It ha- I mean, there's a lot of technology coming out in the home kit. In, you know, in uh, uh, what do you call it, Internet of Things world. But there's like five different standards. No, a home kit hasn't won that as won the day as a standard. There, relationship with developers between Apple and developers came out with a really low score. Cloud services was also a weak score, and the Apple the Apple Watch of all the hardware was probably the weakest uh, report. Uh, score getter, if you will, score just getter. just just at the at the mean mean point at fifty percent, right? So, if you're using the old high school model, Apple just barely eked a pass, and the rest uh, were fails, right? So, that would be accurate. Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, you know, given the response, right, that some people get the watch, some people don't get the watch, you know. Yeah. And I think the people that get it and don't get it, uh, they they are probably would be using it for the same things, but mm-hmm. simply don't value those things as much. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like you, Tim, you, you leave your watch in a drawer these days. Um, but well, you know, I, I take it out when I go for walks with my yeah, dog or as you said. clients, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you use it for the same things I would when you're wearing it. Right. But it's just yeah. that I find those things super valuable, whereas you find them meh valuable meh. Yeah, meh. <laughs> to, to employ the technical phrase. So mm-hmm. that makes sense. I, I just, you know, I think that that picture will improve over the years, but Things like developers, hmm, I don't know if that's going to improve. We'll see. I'm a little more uh, uh, wary about that one. Well, is that's what Phil Schiller was doing before, or is no? That's what he's doing now. So oh, uh, that's his new mandate, or that's his new mandate. Now he's okay. in charge of these stores. That's not um, the same thing. Yeah, not the same thing as developers. So uh, I think if Apple were to make a big play in improving the app stores, uh, that that could well be interpreted by developers as a positive step. Right, but. Uh, you know, there's more that could be done, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like having said that, you know, it has been a great year for developers in other ways, too. Like, in, think of Swift. The open sourcing of Swift and the unparalleled level of communication that Apple has had with that community, right. I think, speaks volumes about, you know, at least a sector of the company's regard for developers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it hasn't happened where it truly counts, though, and that's where the developers make their money. So um, we're, we're still looking for that to change. But, yeah, I mean, just you know. to follow up on the developer piece, I mean, if you if you read the article, they're talking about the developer relationships between Apple, or developer relations at Apple, and because I think they're sort of pointing to the the, the exodus from the Mac App Store, as well as a lot of you know, independent developers realizing that there isn't, you know, a life to be made, you know, um, doing that, right? So Yeah, exactly, exactly. They also mentioned so. the issues with iTunes Connect that uh, seem to start around the time that iOS 9 and Xcode 7 came out and and the mm-hmm. major changes to, to iTunes Connect that happened there. And, uh, yeah, I think we can all agree that there were there were some issues there, so yeah. um, no disagreement there. But at the same time, we got test flight, 
right? Which was True. a pretty huge thing for developers, in my point of view. Yeah, no, you're right. It, was, it made it a lot easier, and then and they've opened it up in terms of you know, how you can get stuff tested. Yep. And that's true. I'd forgotten about having to re- write pr- uh, provisioning profiles every 20 right. minutes and stuff like that. Right? Every time. So oh, soon, how we forget? Phone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. 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 What have you done for me lately? Yeah. Well, it's a lot better in that regard. But you know, you can always throw a butt in there. Um, they have not brought it to the Mac yet, and uh, I think they they actually said they would. Right bring yeah. test flight to the mac and uh that hasn't happened among along yeah. with other things that are not on the mac it's the the feature parity question as well makes a lot of mac developers scratch their heads but speaking you know. of bringing things to the mac if i can, can i just segue for a second here oh i love segways perform yeah, segue no, I, I was curious uh, about uh, you know one of the guys on the team is orta who manages the or sort of heads up or was the original team members between behind cocoa pods um, and I read something the other day, but I didn't get a chance to follow up on it on Cocoa Pods on the Mac, or they built a Mac app for they it. They did. Yeah, they did. Does that well. mean that, it, that it's, yeah. it's come to the Mac, or was it always on the Mac? No, no, no. As far as Cocoa, development's concerned? Yeah, or, Cocoa Pods is always on the Mac. Please, please, please explain to us. I can't, I can't explain to you with any authority. I, I did see that tweet okay. from at Orta on the um, Twitter machine. Mm-hmm. Um, there is an app now, though, and you can see it at CocoaPods.org slash app. And it's it's a very simple Mac app. It looks like uh, Tweetbot, right? And it allows you to edit your pod file oh, in cool. what they call a custom environment. Um, the mm. pod file is a configuration file, a text file that you include with your Xcode project to define what uh, third-party components these Cocoa Pods you'd like to include in your project. Right, right. So you fill out this text file and just say pod uh, AF networking, for example, and then. Um, you run from the command line pod install, and then it goes out to the web, grabs the software, and installs in a separate target. Or sorry, mm-hmm. not a target, <laughs> um, a separate project. But yeah, it's in a workspace. It's workspace, workspace, but a different Xcode project yeah. within the it, workspace. A project in the workspace. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's what it is. So um, it creates a pod, a CocoaPods project in your Xcode workspace, and mm-hmm. then installs the pods there. And then obviously hooks up everything in the settings, the build settings of your main project to point to that other project. Right. Uh, that's basically how CocoaPods works. And so this pod file is the configuration for what pods are installed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what this Mac app is so doing. Well, in the past, you used to have to go on the, into a tool and edit that file by hand, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, it's a different tool that you edit by hand. Um, but then there's an install button there. So that's handy. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes bundled with a version of Ruby. Right. Yeah, I read that too. Um, yeah, I guess uh, I don't know why because you know I'll have a Ruby installed already, but maybe it's to keep the um, the CocoaPod gem separate from the rest of the environment. Well, do we do we? Do, I mean, I know Ruby's installed on the Macs, but is it configured to run right out of the box? Or yes, it is. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, um, but the thing is, like, um, this is handled by uh, a series of gems, and gems come in sets. Uh, or yeah. can come in sets, right? And so if they bundle their own Ruby, then um, everything that you need for that environment is packaged along with that install of Ruby. So any any gem that you install will be installed separately and will not mess with your system Ruby. Right, right. I think, if I had to guess, that's what they were doing. Mm. Um, so I say all this with the um, proviso, the warning, that uh, I am only reading the page now and getting a sense of what it is. But I'll paste a link into the chat here mm-hmm. and so you can uh, put that link in the show notes see vous play and so here's jaime jaime in the house cool hey jaime hey, hey. Jaime. 
Hey, howdy, howdy. howdy. Hey. <laughs> yeah, we we're just talking about the Apple report card um, piece. And we just right. we just went on a tangent about the Cocoa Pods for Mac app. Yeah, that that was a tangent, wasn't it? A segue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I just because you were talking about bringing it to the Mac, and that's when I kind of thought, oh, does that mean you know? I, I wasn't sure. Like I said, I hadn't really looked too deeply into the uh, right. Kind of busy. Yeah, yeah. Of course. So to answer actually your your essential question was, can you put Cocoa Pods in a Mac app? Right. Yes, of course you can. Yeah. The answer yeah. is yes, yes. Um, quite right. But unlike Test Flight, which hasn't come back to the map at Mac, which is what, where I got the segue from. <laughs> I'm with you now, Tim. We're on right, the same so any, page. Anything else we want to say about this report card thing? Like, uh, I mean, I mentioned the guys that got top scores, and which we all kind of know. We about, mentioned right? it, yeah, like a hardware man. I mean, Apple is hardware. Yeah, they've always killer hardware. They have always had the killerest hardware, the most killering hardware out there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know hats off for them you know like every time you you handle one of these things and it doesn't matter what it is it is top shelf stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, we can overlook that we often do just like you tim you're just sitting there going yep mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> hardware it's great uh-huh yeah i love it it's great well i was gonna say uh, um apple makes the best pcs you could run windows on for sure exactly mm-hmm. hey Jaime, what do you, what's going on man about you know life the universe everything yeah Life is good. You you started yeah, a new job, good. right? I did. Congrats. Um, three days in, so yeah. Okay, you did you. start on Monday. That's good. Um, mm-hmm. All is right in the world. We were wondering. Um, you're happy? I am very happy. I'm happy that you're happy. Mm. Coolio. Okay, well, I'm glad we got that covered. Did you... Um... <laughs> okay, we're done. Let's go on to the next thing then. Yeah, so another follow-up item that I found, I think just yesterday, was uh, a post uh, by Alex McCaw, I think. Um about engineer's guide to stock options and it's it follows up on some of the stuff that mark was talking about three weeks ago i think it was mm-hmm. ah, uh, yes, yes. and it's a very in-depth discussion about shares stock options you know vesting schedules and he sort of gives some uh, little bits of advice on on how it works um i to be honest with you, i read it a couple of days ago and like stock options yeah blur my mind goes mushy but <laughs> <laughs> So if people want to follow up on some of the things that Mark was talking about the other day, because, uh, again, it talks a lot, about, a lot about American tax, like 409A valuations and tax. I mean, I don't even. Wah, 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 you know? Yep. So, so this is a good article. <laughs> uh, I would just caution people that it is very much oriented towards early stage pre-IPO startups. Uh, and uh, while that's you know important to a lot of people, it's not the whole picture. But but mm-hmm. so there's a couple of things that are you know kind of focused on that and are are not so there are some things that are not included that that are more associated with with larger more established companies but but overall it's a pretty good article there you go yeah. oh, good <laughs> <laughs> well come on how much how much commentary are we going to give on this it's follow up no, it's, it's follow up man it's, yeah if, if you want if you want to go and have a have go a, go have at it, it you know you know you can either go back and listen to the episode a couple of weeks ago or you can call the skin in the game I believe or a little skin in the game which was quoting Mark on that. Right. Did you hear about um, oh, iOS 9.3 beta coming out yesterday, and it's got a bunch of significant new features? I yeah. did. Mm-hmm. I yeah, did there sounds like it. some really great stuff in there. Um, I think the big one, and, and one that'll probably lead to some, hopefully to the rest of us, the multi-user capabilities for education. Yes, right, yes. Um, okay, so just to back up on that, it's uh, a, a, like Apple put up a page, and they have it so that uh, they're showing... Let me see here. That you can have in an edu- education scenario, you can have a single iPad 
be used by multiple students. Right. Um, and they sign into the iPad using their Apple IDs. Right. And so this is specifically for the education market, and I assume that it has to be configured with um, with a provisioning server or some kind. Uh, mm-hmm. I know there's mm-hmm. some software that you use. Maybe you know what it is, Tim. The um, on the Mac MDM on the Mac server. I want to say MDM. Yeah, 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 yes, MDM, mobile device management. Yeah, mobile device management. So I think it's probably wired into that somehow, um, which would explain why it's not available to anyone outside of education, right? So. Mm-hmm. Um, so that seems really exciting, although it's not available to everyone yet. That's, this is the sort of thing that we've been kind of asking for for a long time, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, especially now with the iPad Pro. And I wonder if it's any coincidence that it's happening at the same time that an iPad Pro, like a real computer, if you want to call it that, is now available, right? Yes. So right. I thought that was super cool. Are you guys excited about that? Does this mean yeah. anything? Or is yeah. an iPad just your own thing and nobody's going to touch it anyway? Well, I'll tell you something. That, that you're right, though. It, this is this is a totally great idea. Apple's done a lot of stuff with education in the past. You know, with with um, reason why they had NetBoot built into into server was to be able to you know have dumb machines in the classroom and you would download an OS to the to the machine and that way if the students mess things up at the end of the day you just wipe everything and you save their files into into their own home directory on the server but it doesn't mess up the OS right um, and it was very easy for administrators to manage multiple machines so this is just an extension of that you know there have been lots of carts if you will of you know recharging stations for iPads and and you know going through and deploying them and the thing with MDM is you can you can restrict services and you can also install apps and stuff like that so if you had to if you know some kid had gone in and done some really nefarious stuff on an iPad it's just a simple thing as restoring it back from an original image right. to set it back to where it was so Having multiple users on a, on a single device is something we've all sort of talked about as the holy grail of, of, of iPad kind of use. I mean, that's the one piece that's missing. And um, the one thing that kind of concerns me is when you sort of said they have to use their Apple ID to log in. My two grandsons can't remember their Apple ID if their life depended on it. They probably, <laughs> or, or And then there's also the security issue. But... That's a good use for good integration for something like one password, where they could basically use uh, biometrics or even or even one password to manage multiple passwords, right? As well, so possibly, yeah. The yeah. other thing they were saying is that the data is all synced via iCloud, right? Um, and then, of course, you wonder, um, you know, the standard iCloud allotment is only five <laughs> gigabytes, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so how is that going to work? Well, I'm sure Apple Apple focuses on education in a different way than they do on the in the retail market. In fact, like as an Apple reseller, we were never allowed to touch any retail or any educational clients. We always had to bring Apple in as the the uh, the overlord, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure they'll 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 make other allowances. But what 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 the promise I see in this is that you know things that they roll out for education often become things that come into the actual OSs later on. Right. So the fact that we could have multi-user experiences on an iPad could mean we could have multi-user experiences on a better multi-user experience on Apple TV and and well, we already have it on on the Mac. And as I said before, the, the this whole idea of managed home folders on a server or you know because I mean iCloud could, the cloud could technically be a Mac server in in the IT closet in the in the school as well, right? Because yeah. made iCloud maybe a technology that enables that kind of stuff, you know. So it's it's interesting. It's from a from a hardware user user management hardware point of view. It's kind of kind of interesting. But as a developer, I'd love to get my hands on it. For sure, um, the beta is <laughs> available now. You can get your hands on it now if you like. With um, oh, with this with nine point three beta, yeah. Um, do you see the other feature was that they call it night shift? And so this is uh, they're Sherlocking 
Flex, which is a thing that you could get for Mac. And I think they had an iOS version as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I don't know how it worked, but um, uh, what it does is detect the time of day. And at nighttime, they shift the color spectrum of the display mm-hmm. away from blue, right? right? Which is sort of the primary color that comes off. Um, and because it's been proven somehow that uh, blue light at night interrupts your sleep cycles. Yeah, messes with your circadian rhythm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we'll see if that actually turns out to be true. Uh, so we'll have warmer colors at night, uh, like Flux provided uh, back in the day. <laughs> but uh, now Night Shift is a feature that will do that um, automatically for you. I guess it's a switch that you'll be able to turn on, but uh, why not do that? And then there's also uh, uh, Notes is getting an upgrade uh, to uh, have a security feature that you can protect with uh, Touch ID. Mm-hmm. Pretty sweet. There's uh, uh, changes to news. Not that this matters to anyone outside the U.S. and Australia and the we, U.K. We have news here, don't we, already? We don't have news, Tim. Come on. Just change your, your location no, to U.S. I'm not changing my location to the U.S. <sighs> no, it screws up location. everything. No, your region. Changes your region to U.S. Mine, I've got news on my, my devices. Well, that's nice. Not I doing know. And, 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 and okay. everything I've heard yeah. suggests that there's no point anyway. Nobody. Uses. Yeah, it's just an RSS reader. Yeah. You're, and you already um, have your favorite as it is. I do. We did talk about that. That's right. <laughs> uh, updates to CarPlay, too. Mm-hmm. This is a big update, Tim. I see Tim, that. Tim, pay attention. This I'm reading huge. the notes as, we, as you speak. Anyway, you see, I've, I've pasted the link into the, um, the Skype chat. I will or... request once again that it go in the show notes. Thank you very much. Um, Apple.com slash iOS slash preview. You can also put those in the Google Doc, by the way. Oh, I thought you just printed something out and never looked at the Google Doc again. No, I, I use the Google Doc as my as my uh, link finder-ishness. Oh, well, then. Um, and, I, and, and last week I missed one, and one of our faithful listeners pointed out that I missed it and had me our, put it back in again. Our listeners are so awesome. <laughs> they are as as handsome as they are tasteful. Uh, so you're okay, looking at the preview the document, which is, which is better for me because it's, it's like, you know, it's a... a, a TLDR kind of thing for me. Exactly. Health. Oh, more health stuff. Look at that. Health. Even yeah. more. CarPlay. Even more. CarPlay. It's a big. It's you know. It's a surprisingly large release, um, especially this late in the um, in the uh, development cycle of iOS. Because you got to imagine, like it's January now, and we've got yeah. WWDC coming up in June. Mm-hmm. So we're five and a half months away from iOS ten, right? Yeah, Groundhog Day is not that far away either. That's February second ish. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, that's that's just a myth, though. I'm only just saying that because we just had our first major snowfall this week. This week has just been brutal, brutal. <laughs> um. Anyway, though, I'm, I'm just surprised. Spring's yes, away. spring's coming. I'm just surprised that Apple, uh, you know, has expended this much effort for uh, a a point yeah. release point like release, this. We've yeah. not we've not seen this before. So, uh, hurry for Apple. Oh, they've added no. They've added uh, Touch ID to Notes. I just you weren't listening. Yes, I wasn't listening. No. So anyway, big release in 9.3. Check it out. Cool. And uh, so it's in beta right now. Um, I guess it's going to be released. It's got to be soon, you would think, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, because how much more time can they spend on it? Don't know. Don't know. Don't know. Okay. So I, I, I kind of got clickbaited into reading this article and pasting it in here, and then, then I went back and read it again, and it was pointed out to me that somebody posted today on something or other that Apple is stepping back from iAd advertising business, which sounds ominous and what it basically means i think is that they're they're divesting themselves of their internal iad team but not necessarily giving up on the platform and they want people to create content have you guys had a chance to read this yet yeah but uh, what's the why is it bad no if i mean there's, it, if there's it, no iad it was it was 
<laughs> well, this is an interesting, uh, interesting point because I think that from the people I've talked to who do employ ad mechanisms in their apps, they find they get better results out of things like AdMob than they do through Apple. Yeah, right. Right. Well, you know that's the so, problem. Like Apple has to sell inventory, right? And so yeah. if they're if they're not getting a lot of adoption on the user side to you know display the ads to, then they're not going to have as much luck selling the ad space, right? Yeah, it's a yeah. chicken and egg thing. But uh, there are other more successful, less scrupulous ad networks. Well, I mean, here to, to quote Tim Tim Cook, and it makes sense that you know it's it's a very small part of their business, and yeah, I, I suppose technically it, it could have had a lot of potential, but. Uh, you know, and, and when you're looking at when you're looking at the bottom lines or where the bottom line where you're where you're putting your attention in, in running any kind of business, if something is like taking a very small, it has is resource intensive but returns very little. There's there's very little reason to keep it. And let's face it, I mean, selling ads and being an ad network um, is not the most savory business for a company like Apple to be associated. I'd rather they worked on really cool hardware. I'd rather they fix the things with the Mac. You know, like I know it's not the same people and all, but. You know, yeah. if if they if at the executive level they only have so much attention for things, um, I could tell you a dozen things I'd rather they look at than mm-hmm. iAd. Mm-hmm. iAd can go die a fire, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> that's just my opinion. Well, that that and you know what? That just proves my point. You know, this is why this is the business that yeah. Apple should kind of be distancing itself from. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, advertising, yeah, for sure. That's just my opinion. Hey, did you hear hear the the thing that Siri can do now? Besides, roll back my TV. Sc- yeah, stream yeah, ten yeah. seconds. Here, stand by. You listening? Hey Siri, beatbox for me. Here's one I've been practicing: boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats and boots. I could do this all day. Cats and boots and 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 cats. Isn't that great? Does she always do cats and boots? Cats and boots and boots and cats. Oh, cats and boots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's really beatboxing. She beatboxes better than my wife. <laughs> um, yeah, so try that out on your phone. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, okay. well, All you right. guys didn't laugh that much. I'm too old for beatboxing. Like, went over like a lead balloon. Yeah, you guys got it. The other room. guys it's are a tough We should talk room. about Star Wars again. What, and how wrong they are? <laughs> are you guys there? The other thing you have here is... That I have. You have. Because this is the sort of thing we've been tracking for as long as we've been a show. Yeah, I didn't put this on here. Maybe Jaime put it on there? No. Uh, couldn't have been Jaime. Which one? The uh, iOS 9? That was me. Oh, it was you. Yeah. Well, lead on, Mark. Mark. Wow. So there are a couple of interesting numbers that came out today. Uh, Mac Rumors posted, and uh, Tim, you can put that in the show notes, that yeah. iOS 9, the install base, is now at 75% of active iOS devices. That comes from Apple's data, apparently. Uh, and uh, a separate report from Mixpanel has that number at 83%. Wow. Both of which are, are pretty amazing, considering we're only roughly three, three and a half months or so into iOS 9's official release. Yeah. So I, I think that's a great sign. I mean, I, I think that uh, you know the, it shows that Apple has, well, especially after a lot of the issues that happened with iOS 8, release yes that that apple's really started to take this a lot more seriously about getting the quality level up and getting people migrated as soon as possible so this is this is all positive news it makes me makes me wonder you know what the what the value of supporting older versions of ios is i mean there there was a time where just as a you know just as a rule of thumb you'd you'd support the, the at least i would support the previous version for pretty much a full year after the new version came out at least yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh and 
in those days, you know, you'd still have 30, 40% of the people still using the, the, you know, the N minus one latest version, uh, for, for some time. But at least according to the mixed panel numbers, only 13% of people out there are using iOS eight right now. And the remaining 4% are using anything older. Older, than that. older. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. It, well, it's interesting. So, uh, Jaime, maybe you know about this and I'm not sure if you do Aaron, but don't other things like, um, or, you know, the, the uh, frameworks you can put in your app that report back onto you what people are doing in your apps? Google Analytics. Yeah, Google Analytics is one. Another is... Uh, mix, oh, panel. mix Panel. Yeah. Mix panel, oh, mix panel is one of them? Okay, yeah. all right. That's, how they That's get, where they get the data from. Yeah. Right, well, because, I, I, you know, I also wrote some stuff in, in uh, our apps because there's one, one instance where I can get back the version that people are running, and, and that, so I run some numbers on our our apps occasionally and sort of see where they are and they they come out differently so i kind of wonder if there's a million of them out there I mean, there's but do you do you guys use any of those things in your apps and, and get back the to sort of look at those kind of figures all the time absolutely where, yep yeah yep yep and where do you find do you find it's mostly ios 9 or well it depends on the app to be honest it depends on on uh what the user base of the app is yeah yeah and i have to say i haven't actually checked my data on uh, on iOS nine anytime recently, so I don't I don't have a number to compare to these, but I believe it. Mm-hmm. I believe these numbers. Yeah, no, because it because it kind of it kind of begs the question, like you know, should we be moving more towards things like size classes and adaptive layout and? Uh, <laughs> you think? <laughs> no, I'm just saying because because a lot of, a lot of times in in larger larger projects you may be you may be limited by if you're still trying to support iOS seven you may be limited by even that conversation, right? Well, yeah. I, or I don't think there's an argument like, for support uh, seven. Stack views, right? I haven't yeah. I haven't used stack views yet because I've been supporting old yeah. versions of iOS all this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are awesome. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, and but that's the thing is like when you're and and again, we're not always like if we're the author of our own app, we get to decide where where it goes. And like you know, in in the case of my own apps, I know for sure. But when it's the client who's hiring you, and you kind of you're kind of limiting what you can do. So you know, like we did when we when we transitioned from iOS six to iOS seven, we had to put a lot of sniffer code in our apps all the way through, sort of saying if they're going to do this, then don't extend the edges and so on and so forth, right? Um. And we had to, you know, use the adopt a flat model in that in that case, right? So, and that was a technical technology hurdle. We couldn't just assume that everybody had iOS seven on their devices mm-hmm. at that time, right? So, it's a calculus, you know. So. You know, they have to recognize that it costs money to support those older devices, and so, yeah, yeah. you know, if if I can say to them, look, uh, f- less than four percent of all users are on iOS seven or earlier. Mm-hmm. This is according to Mixpanel right now. Right. Um, and that number is only going down. So even if you ordered me today to support those users, and I told you it would take a month, and I'm yeah. just speaking hypothetically here, you know, by the time I finished, that 4% would be 2%, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, is it actually worthwhile? Like, and you just you just spent uh, maybe $15,000. Was that worthwhile to you? Yeah. No, it's not. I mean, and, and Maybe that's, not. that's the argument that we have to, as developers, make well, to. Maybe it is, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe no, it, it is. is. But that's that's what I'm saying. Like, there there has to be a calculus done because, you know, one thing you can definitely get from this mixed panel chart, I mean, this mixed panel chart in particular, because it's showing over time, um, mm-hmm. you can see very clearly that the iOS 9 numbers um, are coming from the iOS 8 numbers, right? Right, right. Um, yeah, every yeah, time yeah. that one dips down, the uh, other one dips up. Oh, and yeah, the, because, yeah, you can see the line. Yeah, the, and the, the earlier earlier versions um, are on a separate trajectory and declining gradually as those, basically, it's just like these uh, iPhone 4 and earlier 
mm-hmm. that are going out of service, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. But it seems very clear that anything that's not on uh, anything that can support iOS nine is moving to iOS nine. Yep. Yeah. Right. Um, whereas this other line is is stuff that doesn't run that OS. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's so interesting. <laughs> but uh, this is great news for Apple. It's great news for us. All right. Well, since there's nothing else to talk about on the show, let's talk about Star Wars. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we already did that. Totally did that. But Just Hyundai inject that conversation. Himself. Yeah. How many times have you seen it now? Me? Okay, all of you. Three. All right. I want to see it three times. I haven't seen it three times. Have you seen it, have you seen it on IMAX in 3D yet? Aaron, I know the answer. The answer is no, obviously not. I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. That's a scam, man. Come on. I know it's all plastically rendered and blah, blah, oh, blah, and whatever. God. Yeah. Right. Still looks I, cool. Yeah. I mean, how, I how many times So, by the way, anybody okay. going to IMAX, try this out. I, I tried it out on last time I saw it. If you put, because they have the really good polarized glasses in the IMAX, put the glasses on upside down or backwards, right? Upside down and backwards, I guess. And the stars are in front of the scroll. You know, the text scroll at the end or the beginning of, or end of the movie? The stars actually go, reverse and come in front of the text. Never mind. Okay. That's, that, yeah, I hear what you're saying. That's, uh, that's weird. <laughs> okay. So, I'm, so next time I see the movie, I'm going to actually wear my glasses upside down and backwards and watch the whole movie that way. All right. You go, Madman. Is it possible to see it just IMAX and in 2D? Or is IMAX uh, always 3D? Y- it is. It appears to be in my local theaters. It's IMAX 3D. It's not IMAX. Yeah, I believe it's only IMAX 3D. The print. Yeah. Yeah. F that. It I've might never seen on, on your particular market area. Um, I know I've seen IMAX 3D, IMAX, and the normal sort of uh, non-IMAX 2D. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's out there. I think it varies in price. At least around here, it'll vary by about five dollars each time you go up a tier. Yeah. That's the difference between the the plain. Star Wars or plain film and a IMAX 3D would be about ten dollars. And we also have an, another ultra something or other 3D that There's they There's something called real show. 3D that they have down here. A real 3D? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think what? ours ours is similar. No, I don't know that. Ultra Max or something like that, or it's not it's not IMAX. It's something different. You know. Sounds like orc mischief to me. Sorry, what? Orc mischief. Go see the standard show. That's it. The standard. Yeah, you know. You just want to make an experience out of it and blah, blah, blah. You're seeing a reduced film. You're seeing a lesser Star Wars. Well, you know what, though? It's interesting because I, every time I go see the movie, I go back and watch it for a different reason, right? So I want to see different things in, in, in the way it's been put together or whatever. Or like, you know, uh, last time we, Jaime and, and Mark talked about it, and then I went and saw it again to sort of see, okay, what was Mark? talking about and did that make sense and whatever so it was interesting and i was right (laughs) you were right he was totally badass at the beginning of the movie yeah yes he was he was but i'm not gonna i've already said what i had to say about that yeah we're not gonna anyway go see it in 2d very good very good in 2d go see it on the biggest screen you can in 2D. Um, in 2D. Yes. What's the point of seeing it on the biggest screen I can in 2D? I can watch it on my iPad in 2D in a couple of weeks on Netflix. Because <laughs> coming to Canada, I guess if coming... you hold it up to your face really close and then put the speakers <laughs> on my like, iPad all around Pro, you in a tight mind. circle, yeah. it probably work. I can put uh-huh. it on my my Google glasses, my ViewMaster Google glass, and, and or Google cardboard and watch it in in, two, in 3D. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, good movie. Gonna go see it again for sure. I gotta just find time. That's the key. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So. People keep asking me to go see it. I'm like, oh, sure, no problem. Yeah, I just don't have that. I don't have time. I don't either, Aaron, to be honest with you, but it's Star Wars. Yeah, I, no, I literally don't have the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but I will find some. Uh, like it's just been uh, like this whole week. Like I said, you know, with the whole job thing, it's just been uh, it's been nuts. Every it's evening been I've been on the phone. Been, yes. Oh, really? Yeah. Every evening. Really? Yeah. It's been crazy. You know, and I, it's a good thing I didn't go to the taco meeting yesterday because uh, I had a, an incredibly important uh, interview. Um, that oh, there you go. Cool. Kind of came up at the last moment. But Is that because you're working for people in different parts, different time zones and yeah, stuff like that? Oh, that's right. oh, I see. Okay, cool. All righty then. That's so cool. that's why. And uh, so hopefully this, I'm hoping this weekend I can make it happen. Coolio. So Jaime, do you have anything to add to the show since, or to the uh, the notes or any, any topic of interest other than being harried at your new job and filling out, I mean, filling uh, out those TPS reports? I mean, if it, well, it's on a like somewhat more uh, personal level. I uh, I now own my first Android phone ever. Yes. Oh, yeah. We talked uh, about I saw that on, on Twitter. It's a um, LG Optimus Zone Two mm-hmm. prepaid. Wow. wow. Verizon uh, bought it at Walmart for twenty one dollars. Twenty one dollars. Wow. Twenty one dollars. Wow. Yeah. It was actually nine dollars. Sorry, eight dollars cheaper than I thought it was. I thought it was a thirty dollar. So wait a minute. A twenty nine dollar phone, but it rang up as twenty one at the register. What are you going to do with all that money? Like the seven dollars? Yeah, I have no idea. Buy a sandwich, I guess. So, is it on contract at that price? No, no, no. It's a prepaid phone. Like I'm not actually using any of the data; just using it Wi-Fi only. He owns it um, outright. Yeah, for that much. It surprisingly, dollars? runs Android four point four KitKat. Four point uh, isn't that makes like a little bit of sense? Five years ago, four point four is two versions behind because Lollipop and Marshmallow would be the the successors. So, just, Aaron, just so you know, if you're developing an, an Android app these days, usually that's about where you, you land in terms of where you're going to start writing. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's about right. Like, now we've finally hit that tipping point where I think the um, jelly bean and above is the vast majority. I think so that would be 4.1, 4.2, 4.3 on Android. But I think it's quite right. So we were talking about, like, oh, man, like, isn't it exciting that iOS 9 is at 75%? Like, it will be... <laughs> You know, several years before we can say that's true of, uh, let's say, just the phone that I own, right? right KitKat. Right. Um, Do you think that's why they use those, are... those funny names? So nobody really knows what the current, most current version is. If they actually use the number, you'd know that this one was a few behind. Maybe I'm just being cynical. I I think it might actually make a little bit of sense, right? Like, you know, if you have you know Windows 95 and Windows 98, it's like, hey, look, it's 2007 maybe we shouldn't be using that oh look it's 2017 maybe we shouldn't be using that anymore right. mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. if you have windows happy fun time who knows how old it is yeah yep. so there, there might be a marketing aspect to it um for me it's a uh it's a phone that i can use to use our company's app which is currently only available on android oh really and uh since i'm responsible for both the ios and android and teams, you're gonna fix that right kind of behooves of course i mean that's like my bread and butter <laughs> is, is developing ios right but uh, i'm learning quite a bit about android yeah. and uh this phone is it's it's better than you would think but not as good as you would hope yeah for 21 dollars, it's, it's actually surprising how much you get for 21 dollars. but you you hit the rough edges that's like, about what it costs to see star wars yeah, exactly. In, in IMAX. <laughs> Give me the model number yeah. again, Jaime. It's the LG Optimus Zone 2. And it has a 320 by 480 screen, so it's like being right back in the past with the original iPhone in terms mm. of display quality. So Aaron pointed, posted a link in the show notes here, I think. Um, something when you're developing for Android is a, a site, dashboards, or under developer.android.com is dashboards, and you can see what the distribution is. And KitKat is like 33, 36% of the market, That's by far 4. and away 4. the biggest part of the wedge, right? Yeah. Hmm? Yeah, and that was a big turning point because for a very long time, Gingerbread on the Android side was yeah, the winner. Good. And that was largely driven by, um, you know, cheap phones that yeah. are you know not not your 
flagship phones, but the kind of phones that you would get free at T-Mobile, for mm-hmm, example, mm-hmm. Uh, and whatever the Canadian equivalent would be. And I think part of the reason that KitKat is so comparatively large, even compared to you know Jelly Bean, which is older, and with the general rule of older meaning you know, you're going to see a larger uh, spread of that throughout the Android ecosystem, is I re- recall that Google said that they spent a lot of time and effort, uh, very similar to the way that Apple did with iOS 9, making sure that this is a performance release that will have better improved speed and look and feel and everything for even lower end devices, right? So iOS 9 on our side is uh, surprisingly still usable on the iPhone 4S, despite the fact that we thought, you know, yeah. given their their history that they would have dropped it. Um, it's very much like that for the Android side, where um, it was in Google's interest to say, okay, we know these manufacturers want to make, you know, inexpensive phones, well, let's make it so that Android will be smooth and buttery on those cheap and expensive phones. Mm-hmm. And that was the result in KitKat. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at this. So Lollipop has been out more than a year, and it is at... Uh, 17%. Or, well, it's two well versions, there's, so there's yeah, two so versions, right? So let, let's, call it, let's call it 31, 32%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Crazy. And Marshmallow is what, in beta, or is it just brand new, shiny? Brand new from, like, October, November, I think. And it's at 0.7%. Is this, this, I assume this is being updated daily, or what is this? It's probably every couple of weeks, I would guess. Or, or let's say Seven days. bi-weekly or press monthly. Weekly. Each snapshot weekly? represents okay. all the devices that you visited the Google Play Store in the prior seven days, hmm. is what it says. So, yeah, it's fairly accurate, up-to-date data. Um, wow. It's just, it, it's mind-blowing to me. Like, you really, if, you, if you're developing for Android, you really do have to go back to Jelly Bean uh, 4.1 API version 16 I think I don't know they don't split it out that much no yeah I don't know it's really hard to say but you've got to include at least some jelly bean support because it does represent a pretty big wedge on that pie uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah I don't know yep. yeah it's um, yeah. you know it's not like a exact parallel to iOS development so you know we were talking about should you support stack views right and let's let's just pretend the third party ecosystem doesn't exist right because there is actually is a third party library that um replicates stack views uh-huh. so if you're an app and you want to support stack views but also still support iOS 8 you're out of luck there's absolutely nothing in the world that can help you uh-huh. right it's just a non- non-starter for you on the Android side Google provides a lot of support libraries that uh, may not 100% replicate everything you need, right? They may not have a fancy animation or some other type of thing, but they generally don't have the issue of, oh man, this brand new widget came out from, you know, from Google on Android and I can't use it in my older devices. Like, well, no, that's actually not quite as true. A lot of those features do carry forward. Um, I think the, the fragmentation piece that ends up happening is a lot more centered around the user experience. Right. You're obviously not going to get the the nice integrated cool things. Um, the other thing that makes it kind of separate is that they have uh, increasingly on the Google side has pulled in um, sort of the important parts of Android out of the Android open source code and into Google Play services. Mm-hmm. Right, looks like the big bat that they use to whack the Samsungs and the HTCs of the world on the head. Say, oh well, if you want an actual usable Android ecosystem you're going to have to agree to our rules for Google Play services. And that, of course, means that you'll then have to put on Gmail and all these other Google apps. But from a developer standpoint, it means that you could have an older phone that can download 
updated Google Play services for um, like their equivalent of MapKit, let's say. Mm-hmm. Right. And we really don't have that option on the iOS side. Right. Apple has not provided us a way to say, oh, uh, you've got an older operating system. But, hey, wouldn't it be great if you could use, you know, MapKit X dot X? Because they really haven't had to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a totally different kind of, of market where. Uh, as we've seen in the uptake of iOS 9, it's sort of unnecessary to engineer that sort of thing because the vast majority of the ecosystem turns over within a year. I think the return on investment would be rather low for Apple to do that. Oh, very. And maybe as developers ourselves, we probably have to think about, well, maybe we should take advantage of that or be very, very, very mindful of when we go against what Apple's sort of mindset and its focus priorities are. All right, so let's go around the table like we usually do and see if anybody has any picks yeah. for the week. And I think Aaron's shuddering over there in the corner, so we'll go to him first. Boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats. <laughs> I got nothing. I'm good. I've I've uh, I've been you know up to my eyebrows. You've been beatboxing all day, finding with, a job, with Siri. Yeah, listening to Siri go boots and cats. It's been so fun. But no, I got nothing. Sorry. All right. Uh, hi, man. Do you have a pick? I do. <laughs> He's like, nope. Is... <laughs> <laughs> it is uh, Swift Jobs is the website. It's a, uh, or I should say, it's the section of Natasha the robot who we've mentioned before. I know she was at, I want to say Capital One before, and I can't recall where she's working now. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's certainly very active in the iOS community, particularly in the Swift area. She's got a newsletter that you know curates a lot of uh, discussions related to Swift, and now she has a job board for folks. Um, as we talked about, you know, in the previous weeks. You know, if you really believe in your heart that Swift is the one and only way for you, mm-hmm. um, this job board has jobs that are for Swift developers. Mm-hmm. So there's actually quite a few names that you'll recognize, like Trello and Dow Jones, Blue Apron, uh, Shopkeep, Imager. Oh, Artsy, I completely bypassed the one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they posted earlier on Twitter, too, and there's a picture of the developer team, you know, going, hey, hey, check us out. And there's my man, Ash Furrow. Cool. Yeah. And for the recruiting side, you can post a job for only $49. I mean, that's, I don't know what nothing. the, I don't, yeah, it, from a dollar perspective, it's absolutely nothing. There's plenty of sites that will charge way more for that. Um, and I don't know what the traffic is to this, but you can imagine that this will be promoted relatively heavily in the Swift newsletter that Natasha has. So and here. Uh, it's just another avenue, right? Like, why not? If you're looking to hire folks and you're looking to do um, Swift in your particular position, this is for you. Hmm. I feel sad now. I was going to apply to Artsy a while ago. Does that work? Because it's fine arts and it's iOS. Yeah, they're hiring, Tim. I guess it's too late now. Well, it's too never, late too, you. never too late. Never see. too late. Never too late. Attaboy. Never too late. Mm-hmm. That's great, though. Um, okay, oh, Tim. Actually, go. I do see some numbers. With a growing audience of more than 100,000 monthly Swift developers. Yes. So there you go. Like that's the kind of audience level you can think about from a recruiting standpoint. Yeah, cool. she should be and charging are, more than fifty bucks. There are what? It's like a start. You just started fifteen-ish jobs. Yeah, I, I think it's very similar to the core intuition folks. So their podcast, they have yeah. a job site that's roughly the same amount. It might be up to three hundred dollars, I think. But yeah, I thought it was way more than fifty. Um, yeah. Uh, where is this? So if I'm at Corrent.org, there, there's the job board, and I'm pretty sure, yeah, it's two hundred dollars for thirty days. So mm-hmm. that seems more more with it. Um, well, you know, she's got to start somewhere, right? She may, she everybody may... does. Yeah, like it could be a nice introductory price, yeah, just to get some listings in there. Because she only announced this was going to happen, I think, in the last newsletter, right? So mm-hmm. it's fairly fairly fresh off the mark, right? So Yeah, okay. 
Cool. Good for her. Um, Good for Natasha. Mark. How are you doing, Mark? I'm doing great. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right. Good. So do you have a pick? Uh, Star Wars. Star Wars. No, I don't have a pick. Nothing but Star Wars. Love yep. that movie. Hmm? So good. So so yeah. So Aaron, I don't have a pick either. So let's let's finish off this conversation since this is the accidental Star Wars podcast. Um, oh. what, so you you what uh, one one to ten from one to ten? What you, how do you rate the movie? Oh, definitely an eleven. Eleven. Okay. Oh yeah, really? loved it. It's not a it's not a perfect movie. I grant you that it is yeah. not. Yeah. Um, but for all the things that I. I wanted out of the Star Wars movie. It it delivered it in spades. Uh, yeah. To my mind, it was uh, an absolutely uh, quality film, uh, start to finish, except for that last that last scene. I just mm. the last scene. No, the, the very one, last scene. The one Not, that got me was the uh, Dominic. Uh, what's his name? Gleason. I really liked his character, but I Dominic didn't Gleason. like. Yeah, I, he's the guy. I've forgotten his name now. Um, I have a People magazine here somewhere with his name in it, but or the character he, play, he plays the, the the English speaking badass guy that that runs the the, the Death Star ish kind of thing. Right? Oh, General Hux. Yeah, yeah, he, the guy that was the scene uh, where Bron- he's standing there and he's, he's yelling at the at the just when they're about to fire off the, this big weapon and and he's got that whole that whole Nazi Hitler thing going yeah, on. Yeah, just, totally. That was way over the top. You know, I thought unnecessary. Oh, I, okay. Well, that that to me strikes me as completely subjective, minor nit. I mean, okay. Yeah, I, sure. I, did, I did sort of hear. I did. I did read somewhere too. I think it was in People magazine today. I finally got around to reading the magazine my wife bought me before the movie came out. Who gives somebody a movie a magazine like that? Oh, uh, nobody that you want to stay married to, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so uh, um, they said that this is what would happen if, like, the Nazis had all moved down to Argentina after the war and then kind of, like, rebuilt their sort of, you know, thing. This is kind of what the New Order is about, right? Yeah. That was their, yeah, their well, parallel idea. If anything, it's really unclear what the New Order is about and yeah. uh, who they are and what they represent. Uh, most of them are dead now at the end of this movie, so, you know, we're going to see how uh, well-staffed this organization is in the yeah. next one. Well, it's interesting. So. I think I mentioned before that I read uh, Aftermath, which is the first book of a trilogy that fits between Return of the Jedi and uh, and this new movie. In fact, one of the characters is in the new movie. Um and they there's a there's a sort of empire-y kind of bunch of guys that talk about Palpatine being this sort of you know middle manager type you know ran away ran away with the with things and and because there, there's another group of guys and maybe it's that uh, who's the new badass guy that Andy Circus plays um, Snoke Snoke yeah okay. so maybe it was him talking in the book I'd have to go back and look at the book again but that would require effort um, yeah interesting. So you know, I thought it, you know, I just thought it was really great. Um, you know, I'm cognizant of the uh, the mirroring of A New Hope's plot, and uh, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I didn't have a problem. I thought it was a a really great reinterpretation of that story. The characters are just so wonderful. The mm-hmm. writing was was sparkling clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dialogue was snappy as all get out. I really just loved. Um, so much about it the, the fundamentals of the movie very strong but you know like there's always nits that you can pick and there's yeah. there's no there's no three hour or two and a half hour production that uh that can escape criticism cleanly this is no exception by the way um, i just want to i just want to point out next time you go see it uh make note of this i noticed this myself this last time i went and saw it is that there are parallels between uh empire strikes back and return of the jedi in this as well so when you go back just look for yep, those yep 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 
I, I'm sure. But, but I mean, um, it's clearly no, no, like there's a lot of a lot yeah. of new hope in there. But no, but. no problem, no problem. I got no problem with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fine. You know, like I just I, I sat there and my jaw was slack, and there was a big grin on my face, pretty much start to finish. Um, mm. Just loved it. I loved it. I just thought it was so great. It's just you know, like it's, it's exactly what you want in a Star Wars movie, and that's why it's become a cultural touchstone for all of us. Uh, it's like the it's the big thing. It is the sort of the hub of my cultural life, if you will. <laughs> so you know that they're bringing out a movie every year now for the next little while, yep. right? Yep. I'm I'm a little anxious because um, you know I'm I'm all superheroed out, uh, having watched the Marvel universe kind of spin out of control mm-hmm. in in that sort same sort of cycle, right? And you know when Disney bought uh, Lucasfilm, I could see very clearly that it was sort of in their minds to do the same strategy as they did when they yeah. bought Marvel, right? Yeah. yeah. We're going to come up with some really great quality movies at the start. And then, you know, of course, we can't just keep making quality all the time. Even Pixar can't do that. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to tail off. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not looking forward to that part of it. Yeah, the other thing that I noticed, too, was in watching it again, was that every time I saw a stormtrooper with a weapon, like Jaime pointed out last week, it was, it was Traitor, right? Um, but, like, the, the flamethrower guy who's in there for, like, a split second, as soon as I saw that, I thought, that, there's a new toy. And I was in a toy store the other day, and sure enough, there's a flamethrower stormtrooper there. Yeah. So, you could, and, and, and same with Captain Phasma. I mean, like... Phasma. Phasma, whatever. I was yelling or, at you for that, too. Whatever. <laughs> But anyway, she, yeah, I think that was, a, the character was in the movie, but she was kind of wasted in terms of how, how she played out. I think we There's two more that. movies, brah. Don't worry about it. She'll be back. Right. And I believe that she will be pissed. How'd she get off the planet at the end? She, oh, she you know ca- no, caught a ride course. with Kylo Ren and, uh, oh, that's right. and that general dude. Whatever when they went out right. and found Kylo Ren in the middle of nowhere on the planet as it was exploding yeah. and picked him up. They Yeah, they used the transporter, right? They transported him from These are These are nits. Nits? We're picking nits. So anyway, let me ask Jaime, what did you think about it from 1 to 10? I would give it an 8.5. 8.5? And uh, right now, I think it's still ahead of Return of the Jedi in my my ranking of all the current films. So how do you rank them in your mind? So Empire Strikes Back. So if we're looking from a, you already know Star Wars, you've watched Star Wars, Mm -hmm. looking back at it sort of thing, Mm -hmm. versus a, okay, if this was a standalone movie go right the only one that really works is a new hope yeah um so from a star wars fan perspective i would go uh empire strikes back a new hope force awakens then return of the jedi and then episode two attack of the clones Mm -hmm. revenge of the sith and bringing up the rear is the phantom menace what about the wow uh, what about the holiday special is that better than the phantom menace (laughs) (laughs) you know what i think i think the the second one special so have i attack the clones i think is the worst one of the three prequels Really? It's, it, the, the, just the dialogue is incredibly oh, painful. Bad. Yeah, it's painful. It's unbelievable. But did you did you not like the the, the part with uh, Obi Wan Kenobi going and checking out the people making the army and all that kind of stuff? Or yeah, that was just ridiculous. Really? The whole movie was ridiculous. Hmm. Yeah, I just I, I was rolling my eyes through the whole thing. <laughs> I actually didn't mind uh, the Phantom Menace as much. Really? Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, seeing Anakin Skywalker on screen as an adult. Um, Really just turned my stomach too much. Well, he was an adolescent <laughs> in that one. He was whiny, yes. whiny as all get out. He couldn't go to you know Toshi Station whenever he wanted, kind of thing. You know. Mm. Anyway, those are bad movies. I don't even you know they're not in the rankings. They just don't get ranked with them. Yeah. The, so, so Mark, ones. what do you what do you rank this movie? So, how do you rate it first of yeah, all? Then yeah. How do you rank so, it? I'm going to give two ratings. So, from a 
sitting there in the theater watching it enjoyability standpoint yeah it was i liked it it was really it was good for that and i'd, I'd say i'd give it an eight and a half for that too uh mm-hmm. but from uh stepping back and saying was this a good movie that's going to stand the test of time i'd say a four yeah we're going to be getting a lot of feedback on this episode. Yeah. I can oh, okay. You no, think so? we're not. You think so? We're not going to get any feedback. So, uh, so here's here, here's my yeah. here's here's my take on it. I don't know what it is about Star Wars, but to me, it's the shiniest object in the in the universe. I just can doesn't matter what movie it is. It's kind of like Harry Potter. I kind of when if they're on TV, I'm watching it. Right. Um, I think over t- in terms of the test of time and all that kind of stuff. Um, a New Hope for me is obviously obviously that was the movie that changed my life in a lot of different ways so that's always going to be my number one movie but yeah this was this was pretty much up there with with the the other the other good three ones right so wow yeah so i i i shiny i just i could just i don't know it's just i just i just could watch it over and over again it's it's just sort of like you know there's some movies that that when they're on tv or whatever in the theater or whatever i'll watch like some like it hot is a movie that i i just my wife turned me on to that one and i just anytime it's on i'll just watch it and and it's i don't know what it is blade runner is another movie that i've seen a thousand times right Um, you know, and uh, to the point where I even got a laser disc of it back in the day and made a copy of the laser disc where Harrison Ford's doing that goofy narration that um, the guy from uh, Monty Python wrote. You know, um, but yeah, it's just I just you know, yeah. Somebody calls me tomorrow and says, "Hey, we're going to see Star Wars." I'm, okay, I'm in. You know, I I even saw the Phantom Menace in 3D on IMAX. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> But I never had the toys. I didn't play with the toys when I was a kid because, you know, that was a different generation. You guys were all from yeah. that generation, right? So That's right. You were too old by then. Yeah, I was married to someone who didn't get it. So, mm. And we had girls. So, Not that girls can't play with Star Wars toys. We know that now. So, Okay, well, that's that's the thing on Star Wars. We, we've got a, a, a grump and some enthusiastic uh, responses here. But, you know, we're, we're all allowed to feel about this movie exactly the way we do and and that's that's okay mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's okay that not everyone likes it yeah and uh, it'd be really interesting to see i'm just trying to find that one person that, uh, actually i do know one guy actually i should i should send him he's on our, on the ray Burnett group he's a young guy from young developer from uh, vancouver who had never seen star wars and so he was asking us what he should go see before he goes and sees the movie it would be almost really tempting to say go see this movie tell us what you think and then go watch that would star be very wars. interesting actually yeah, so yeah. So if anybody out there hasn't seen the other three movies, and there are people out there, in fact, uh, the the girl who plays Ray never saw a Star Wars. She saw one Star Wars movie before she would play the role, and she can't remember which one it was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's her name? Ridley. Anyway, Daisy Ridley. Daisy Ridley. Alrighty then. So I guess that's it for the week. And so Aaron, if people want to find you on the interwebs, where would they look? Go to the Twitter machine. It's clanking away at Aaron V. Alrighty, and uh, Jaime, if people want to find you on the interwebs, where would they look? On Twitter as at DevWithTheHair. And Mark, if people want to get a hold of you? Mark R at SmapSoft.com. Alrighty, and I am Timitra on Twitter Machine, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, and you can always reach me at my website, and you can also get us at see, the Morning Just Code website, which is mtjc.fm. More about that in the outro. And I guess we'll see you next week. That's 74 in the books. Good night. Good night. Goodbye. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There, you can find the summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items we talked about on the show, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, 
please leave a comment on the website, and if you can, please write a review on iTunes. If you're listening on Overcast, go ahead and press that recommend button. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow us on Twitter. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at mtjc underscore podcast. And if you'd like to support us, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc. Thanks again for listening. something here that Jaime posted from Natasha the Robot. It's a pick. That's my oh, pick of the week. Pick. Oh, you pick. Jumping the gun on that Sorry, one. Sorry, cut that out. Sorry. My bad. Oh, um... No, we haven't talked about his Natasha the Robot yet. Oh, no, it's your That's pick. That's Jaime's no, pick. Sorry. pick <laughs> That's the enough. second time. <laughs> Tim's gonna have a lot of editing to do on this one. <laughs> Holy cow. Uh, not, any mo- more than, not any less than usual. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.